Welcome from the Music City Center, Nashville, Tennessee. We're here at the EMS World Expo, the largest EMS dedicated event in the world. This is EMS World Presents Stories from Expo. Your story continues here. Hello, we're here in Nashville at the EMS World Expo at the Music City, uh, Music City Center, I believe is the name of this gigantic and amazing building. Um, with me is Jenna Tuttle. Uh, so I've heard a lot of cool posters so far, uh, such as, uh, you know, where, how your cell service, um, you know, patient demographics, Mm -hmm. And how all those things uh, affect ROSC and return of spontaneous com uh, combustion, circulation. <laughs> you are looking at time of day and, and the paramedics' uh, fatigue level or? Well, their performance. Performance Yeah, level. so I'm looking at time intervals. Okay. Um, based on time of day in, um, in cardiac arrest in OHCA. And so basically what we did was we looked at some literature and it said, oh, you know, when patients arrest at nighttime, they're less likely to survive. And they listed a lot of factors about what they thought, you know, hmm. may impact that, like bystander CPR rates are lower at nighttime and things yeah. like that. Um, and so what we wanted to do was, well, what are the paramedics doing? Like, what are the specific things that we're doing that may be affecting that? And so um, we looked at uh, EMS response time. We looked at uh, time to first face suppressor, time to first IV or IO, um, time to first defibrillation, time to first airway. Mm -hmm. And so what we did was we broke time of day down into three different categories. We looked at 0700 to 1459, and then we looked at 1500 to um, 2259, and then 2300 to 0659. And so mm -hmm. uh, compared everything to that morning category, that 0700 uh, category yep. and basically the cliff notes of the study are do not die at night <laughs> sure <laughs> well yeah I mean don't don't try because you're going to if you, if you try at night right if you, if you try to die at the daytime maybe we can do something about it yeah what do you have like specific percentages how much more <laughs> what is your what is the percent higher mortality at night than it is in the morning 20% uh, so, 20%. Yeah, so you're 20% less likely to survive if you arrest in that 2300 to 0659 time frame. And um, all of the care that is provided is significant de significantly delayed when compared to the morning category. So all those time intervals, response time, how long it takes to get that first presser in, mm -hmm. how long it takes the crews to defibrillate you, all those things are delayed in those nighttime hours. So, and did you do any... Um filtering of the data specifically because what I would be curious to know is if if uh, prior to arrival CPR or CPR was listed in prior to the arrival uh, you know in, the, in the, either the EPCR or dispatch notes mm -hmm. or is this your numbers are just every single cardiac arrest um, yes anybody who was well cardiac arrest um, a, car, a primary cardiac etiology and anybody over the age of 18 okay. and that was worked. So, right. you know, like DNRs or things like they got DC mm -hmm. orders, those were not included. So, you know, things that were, we would consider to be viable arrests. Okay. Um, and, um, you know, the, the we actually didn't find a, a difference in bystander CPR rates. Really? Okay. No. Interesting. <laughs> um, 
So yeah, we didn't find a difference in that. Um, we looked at uh, the entire state of North Carolina over about a year and a half uh, time period, and our our study had about almost 9,000 patients. Okay, in it. so this is that's that is a large and diverse uh, population. Yeah, there's lots of rural, suburban, yeah. and urban areas that are included in that. Wow, that's quite a study. How long did that take you to? It was 16 hours. 16 hours. That's to, it. That's all. To, Two days. To gather it and <laughs> filter it. Wow. Do you, are you looking for a job? We could we could we could use a, a brain like yours at our department. We do. Um, <laughs> I, uh, I have to give my credit where credits due. Um, uh, we do a EMS research summit at the North Carolina EMS Expo every year, okay. and we do a two-day summit, and we take um, researchers of various backgrounds, so no experience to PhD level um, experience, and we have them come in, and we give them a data set, and you know, say, have at it, come up with some ideas, Sure. Um, you know, have a good time with it. And I act as a biostatistician and kind of guide them through the process. And so that was, this was the result of our, um, the fruits of our labor from that weekend. That's fun. You know, as a, as a QI professional, I, uh, I kind of, it's, you look at a lot of raw numbers and you're, sometimes the hard part is just thinking of what am I trying to find? So, and then you find something and then it turns out to be significant. That must have been pretty It was very exciting. exciting. Yeah, <laughs> it was. And I just, I want to, you know, dive more into it. Yeah, that, I mean, 20% and, and it, so, yeah, that's a good question. And if, if bystander CPR doesn't seem to, mm -hmm. what is, is it, are they just not longer pauses in CPR? Yeah, I think it's I think it's fatigue level of the providers, and so I think further study is needed to really dig in and see, you know, um, is it a certain shift pattern that's producing mm -hmm. this fatigue? Are um, are our crews not getting um, sufficient rest in between shifts? Is it a UHU issue? Is the unit hour utilization very high in mm -hmm. the system? So I think there's a lot of things that you could really look into and say, where is this coming from? Well, it's no question. I know that there's a small, well, I wouldn't say small, but I, I, would, I would venture to guess something like probably 50% of the people working at night are those weird night folks, right? I don't right. want to offend anybody. Because um, I was one at one point. Uh, you know, then the years catch up and you're like, I'd rather sleep than eat at this point. Yep. Um, but then 50% of them are probably new people that don't want to work those hours and are probably also working daytime shifts. Mm -hmm or in school yeah. or taking care of their children or well, certainly something like that. Yeah, and then so if that's if your life isn't based around working night shifts, you can have a hard time working night shifts. Mm -hmm. and, and I think that, you know, there's a really large narrative and dialogue about fatigue in our providers that's been going on for several years and it's really come to a head in the last year or two. And, um, you know, most of the discussion is based around provider safety, you know, your, well, and patient safety med errors, um, workplace in, uh, mm -hmm. injuries and things like that. But what we, you know, I, what I'm really interested in looking at is patient outcome. How does that fatigue affect patient outcome? So not just, not just focused on cardiac arrest, but yeah. well, I mean, you know, across the board? I'm very interested in cardiac arrest. That's well, really my, of course. But, but you know, I, I think in any area it, it's of interest how, how it affects our patient yeah. outcome. I mean, certainly it would be tough to I can't imagine the entire call volume of North Carolina, so you probably have to filter it to at least the high acuity stuff, mm -hmm. but uh, that would be very interesting. Uh, I, I would wonder, 
I would like to know also if the experience level of the provider mattered. Is it fatigue or is it fatigue plus? Oh, I did that study last year. Oh, you did? Level. That's right. That's right. Last <laughs> year yours was, um, oh, what was it? Experience level, experience, provider experience level resulting in the outcome of the of the cardiac arrest survivability. Yep. I can't remember what was... I did case volume and so I looked at experience as case volume and um, paramedics who uh, have run 15 or more OHCAs yes. in the preceding five years or their patients are I want to say it was like 1.2 times more likely to survive or something along those that's, lines. Yes that's right yeah yeah that was that was fun. Yeah. It was I enjoyed it. <laughs> it's, it I, I know a lot of people don't love the the data data nerds are you know that's it's a it's a certain subset of paramedics but yes. if we're needed I think you need to you need those people to find the problems and fix them we're trying to produce as many as we can in North Carolina that's our goal yeah you know at the at that research summit that we do it's you know to get people in there and get them interested and you know produce yeah now create evidence-based guidelines for your profession I know don't get me and don't get me into uh, we need to. We also need to make sure we're collecting good data from our EPCRs. Everybody, everybody listening, fill out your <laughs> EPCRs perfectly. <laughs> um, well, thank you for coming and talking. This is a super interesting uh, topic. And if you want to see or listen to her audio podcast from last year's EMS World podcast, that's on EMSWorld.com. Um, if you wanted to, if somebody wanted to get a hold of you, do you have a, a work email or, or yes. social media that you'd like to yes my uh, my email is jetuttle519 at gmail.com and feel free to uh, email me with any questions that you may have perfect uh, I'm Aaron Gutzman and this is the EMS World podcast slash EMS Garage podcast uh, stick around on the on this page find more content watch our other great videos here from EMS World Expo in Nashville Tennessee 2018